This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. So today we're going to talk about being an outlier. So an outlier obviously stands out of a crowd. Um, there's many versions of this. Um, one that stood out when I was making some notes uh, for this is um, I, I'm not a big fan of the show American Idol, but uh, back when Daughtry was in it, uh, there was one segment that I, I remember to this day where he was singing some song and um, he was trying to mimic the actual original song. and. The judges were were like, uh, "Hey, dude, um, you're 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 essentially an outlier. Do it your way, right? Take the reins on it and make it your own. Whether it's a soft, slow song that you want to make heavy metal, it doesn't matter, right? And so, even if we go to other aspects of life, um, even well, historically, war heroes uh, are definitely uh, outliers, right? And so, part of it um, could be the outcomes of war." Um, I know my wife and I are going through binge watching some of these uh, series of, you know, reenactments of true events. Uh, maybe not all of it's um, true, but but like um, when they're in the middle of war, the the state of mind that some of these soldiers have gotten to, I think uh, it creates um, this courage inside um, of some of them that actually stand out and do something. And then uh, all of a sudden they, they get known for something. And one of those, you know, one of the world, world famous ones is uh, obviously the, the movie Top Gun. You obviously got Maverick, um, right? He was definitely an outlier in many different ways. Uh, and then the, the movie Broken, Saving Private Ryan, there's a ton of them. But, uh, you know, in real life military, um, there was a guy named Dan Peterson, which um, very few probably have heard of, but he was the first officer in charge of Top Gun. And the movie was actually based off some of the things that were actually in his book. His book was actually pretty good. It just talked about um, a lot of things that he went through. It was basically a memoir in a lot of ways. And then when he stood post uh, to create the first Top Gun fighter jet school. And it all started because uh, between, I think it was the somewhere between the Cold War, a Korean War, and the Vietnam War, somewhere in that era, there was a lot of issues that were going on with fighter pilots. And... Uh, especially after Vietnam, there was a lot of mistakes in the fight pl- flight plans um, and just the airplanes in general. And he wrote this entire manuscript on how to fix it. He went to Congress and said, we have a problem. And he stood, he was an outlier. He stood up strong and said, we have problems. We have problems with the fighter jets. We have problems with the piloting. We have problems with a whole bunch of stuff. And here's here's my proposal to fix it all. And some of them were... As simple as, and, and don't get me started on, on politics when it comes to the military, but one of the things that some of these Vietnam fighter pilots um, ran into was uh, the newer, if you want to call it that, fighter jets that Congress was purchasing and, and being made for the military. They decided since we're going to missile warfare that we didn't need machine guns on there. Uh, there was a lot of aviators that died in uh, Vietnam because they ran out of missiles and they had no way to fight. So they were in a dogfight until they were either shot down or ran out of fuel. So anyhow, he he ended up having to stand up in Washington and defend his case. And they end up uh, 
uh, given him um, his command at building the school. He was actually the second choice. The first choice didn't want it, and uh, then it was him. But again, he was the outlier to make it happen. Other military ones, uh, some people would say John McCain was, but that's controversial. And um, another one, don't get me started. There's misleading stories, but he's considered a maverick. But um, uh, and then we have Pearl Harbor, and one of the outliers in Pearl Harbor and then Midway is um, Edwin Layton. And Edwin is the intel officer that was involved in um, intelligence uh, related to Pearl Harbor, and he didn't push the button hard enough to say that we had something coming to Pearl Harbor. Like, they had an idea something was going on, but they didn't know where it was coming from or what. And then since they didn't have enough proof, they just didn't do anything. And so when it came to Battle of Midway, um, he was the outlier and, and basically was saying that we have a hunch, we don't have enough information, but this is what my gut's telling me. And then Admiral uh, Chester Nimitz, um, he said, all right, um, just tell me what we're supposed to do. And then obviously we won the Battle of Midway, which was a turning point of World War II. And if we convert it over to sports, which is another favorite topic when we talk about outliers, um, and uh, many of the listeners here will probably have never heard of a guy by the name of Dick Fosbury. He came up with the Fosbury flop, which changed the outcome of pole vaulting. Uh, and he won the gold medal by doing it. And so uh, all of a sudden it changed the sport forever. Um, they had to check rule books and whatnot. It was it was definitely um, an outlier. And then you got Roger Bannister with the four-minute mile. And this recently in the Chicago Marathon, a guy was, I think, what, 15 seconds from breaking the two-hour um, barrier of the 26 miles. Then, of course, you got Wayne Gretzky that has been retired, what, 20, 20 years, and he's still – the highest number of goal um, goal scorer in history of the NHL. So, and, and obviously, I'm just beating this outlier. We'll get to employee benefits in a second, but uh, uh, or a few minutes. But when we talk about business, though, there's business outliers, and the big ones that we know are Elon Musk that changed the uh, the path for electrical vehicles. They literally put them on the map and make competition fret to the point where they had to fastly fast come up with some type of electric vehicle in order to compete. Jeff Bezos believed this online shopping mechanism before anybody else ever thought it was possible. And related to insurance, we had, um, there was a guy by the name of E.F. Hutton. He was, I think, in politics for a long time too, but uh, but he was a good speaker. And when he spoke, people listened. Um, that was his what he was known for. But he created a product where a lot of financial advisors would say, you know, instead of buying whole life, buy term and invest the difference. But the problem is people would buy term and then save the money and not invest it. So we created a product called Universal Life that was essentially the force mechanism to buy term and then invest the difference. Um, there's some controversy on, on the product itself. Universal Life um, is just a tool. That's a product that is kind of, I always say, in the middle between the term and a whole life policy or even a variable. But um Anyhow, I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just saying he was an outlier by creating a product that is very popular today and still exists 30 plus years later, if not longer. If we were to go back in time in 1850, it was actually the first policy was sold for accident health insurance. Um, but nobody knew about it. People paid cash for many years. Uh, only the rich purchased it, uh, essentially. And then eventually... If we um, 
you know, moved to, and I I didn't write down the year, but there there was a hospital system um, in um, Dallas, Texas called Baylor uh, Hospital. They were the first employer-sponsored health plans, um, and it was based on an HMO or some type of prepayment service. And obviously, they were outliers. Nobody else was doing this, and all of a sudden, the employer-sponsored plans started to exist. In 1980, there was a guy by the name of Samuel Jenkins out of Denver, Colorado, at St. Luke's Medical Center that that organized the first PPO that ever existed. Again, another outlier when it comes to employee benefits and business. In 2004, there was a concept that came out called reference-based pricing. Uh, it was to control the overpayments of PPOs, uh, and because most PPOs are overpaid, and uh, there's really little to nothing we can do about it, unless we're auditing claims, it's a full-time job, and then there's um, an audit process to that. But yeah, instead of waiting and, or hiring a third party to audit all these, Reference-based pricing business came up with a concept where they're going to pay up to a certain dollar amount and that's it. And so obviously there was some backlash on this because there was balanced billing issues, but I don't know what the percentage is. It's in a single digits, low single digits that ever gets balanced billed. And in most cases, um, it usually gets um, satisfied in some degree, either by a phone call and they just say, you know what, we're just going to wipe this out or that you can negotiate the difference. Um, But a lot of health plans on the self-funded side just pay it um, because they're saving tons of money with reference-based pricing on all the other claims to worry about the one to 5% claims that actually get balanced billed, they just, they're covering it. And so a lot of those problems have gone away, but again, it was another outlier. I don't know who came up with the idea. I just know it was first introduced by uh, an insurance company to come up with this concept so they could reduce overpayments. Essentially, they come up with, it's a percentage above Medicare costs. Um, So they're receiving Medicare payments at a certain level. And this is, I want to say it's 150% above, but don't quote me on that. Um, But it's a percentage above or based on a certain area based on historical data. So we're talking about, we're going into 2024. So we're talking about 20 years of data that they can find geographic regions of what what procedures should be paid for. And then bringing it a little bit more to modern era outliers when it comes to employee benefit programs, we got guys like uh, David Chase from Health Rosetta. We have David Catorno from, um, he's out on the um, East Coast. I forget the, the name of his um, agency, but he does a podcast called The Healthcare Hangover. Um, and he talks about a lot of these concepts moving to modern health plans. You got Steve Watson, I think he's out of Arizona. He's actually a CPA by trade. And he does consulting on the side. He does a podcast as well called Trend Breakers um, because he's trying to break the trend. And I'm not being sarcastic about it, but he figured out and did all this homework because uh, I, I'm not, I think there was something to do with the advisors they were hiring didn't provide it. So he said, you know what, I'm just going to go find this on my own, uh, not to take business from somebody they were loyal to, but just kind of like do more research. He couldn't control. He's a CPA by trade. He couldn't control numbers on a, on a health plan. And so we found a new approach um, and creating employee benefit programs to control cost and even provide employees incentive to make you know better decisions for their outcomes. Um, and really what that means to, is you know where claims come in, not necessarily wellness. And then um, a procedure or a process that actually get through that you could have more predictable renewals. So there's outliers in the benefits uh, industry 
Hey, we're, we're, you know, our agency and myself and peers that I rub elbows with every single day, even some of uh, the people or the, the people we work with on that, um, we're, we're right in the coattails of some of these industry leaders um, with new, new ways to approach get modern health plans versus the old way. But the whole purpose of this podcast uh, on this recording is um, to see if we can just pull out the outlier in you. You need to be the outlier for your own company um, because there's a lot of things going on and things need to be changed and you're not getting all the information or the right information. So we talked about um, prior fully insured um, lack transparency. You have less control. How are you going to control outcomes if you don't have data? Some of that's going to change with the Consolidated Appropriations Act, but that's still yet to come to fruition. Um, But we can really get into the weeds and try to find a better way, just like these other industry leaders. A lot of employers, HR, CFOs, they're blinded by a logo. And uh, even just this week, uh, uh, earlier this week, I talked to a guy, a small employer, and he was actually wasn't even the owner. And he was like, I just want, I just want the big blue or whatever he wanted. Right. And I'm like, well, they're not the only game in town. And he's like, well, no one else takes anything else. And so they're just blinded by the fact that there's only one carrier in the marketplace to do everything. And that's completely not true. In fact, they give you less leverage because they want the leverage. Um, they're getting better, though. I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just saying that they're, I always say they're old and slow. And eventually they'll come come around. And they do. Uh, but but it's just long time waiting. And are you going to wait long enough and spend extra money that you don't need to? Listen up. Butch wants to give you your own elite benefits playbook. And it's absolutely free. From business strategy to benefit strategy. Every step from the start through implementation, account setup, and open enrollment. Working through service requests and the process of renewals. A valuable look at your company, your insurance options, and how to make the process easier on you. Go now to EliteBenefits.net slash playbook and get your free Elite Benefits Playbook, or give Butch a call today, 708-535-3006. But it's almost like as if on those plans, you give your employee um, and, a, and a credit card for the company, right? Just, hey, you know, instead of getting an expense report, um, just give us the receipts, but we'll match it up to the company credit card, and that way uh, we'll just pay for it. So essentially, when we provide an employer-sponsored plan, you're handing all your employees uh, literally a credit card that credit card allows them to go make company purchases. But in this case, you're allowing them to go to any medical provider that they choose. And regardless of how much it costs and regardless of where the expenses are coming from or they're going from, just use the card, right? We'll take care of you, right? And, and would you do that for company expenses and say, hey, you know, you know, unless you're an executive or, you know, top earner from the company. In most cases, if you travel for your uh, work, they're going to be looking at what's the most reasonable cost and economical or safe way to get there. And if you're upgrading the first, first class, getting the suite at the hotel, uh, eventually uh, you're going to stop that because why do you need to spend extra money? And, and a lot of companies have done that. But that's essentially what, uh, the opposite of what you're doing for healthcare. You just won't do it, right? You just pick a plan that allows them to just go spend whatever they want. The only difference with providing a healthcare credit card is um, 
owner of the company, partners, employer in general, HR, CFO, they don't even know the terms and conditions of the agreement of the credit card. They don't read the policy or the employer documents. They just kind of breeze right through it. They have no idea what terms they're actually agreeing on. And I'm telling you, if you actually read the employer agreement with these big, huge branded insurance companies, you might actually be surprised. And if you actually read the contract, I'm almost 100% certain that if it was a business deal within another company outside of the healthcare industry, you would say no, if that tells you anything right there. Uh, you don't even know what the interest rate you're even paying. And sure, in healthcare, you're paying a premium. You know, it's not necessarily an interest rate, but there's fees in there, admin fees. That's the same thing as an interest rate because it's a, it's a charge for lending money or having access to cash. And so how do you know how much admin fees are you actually paying in that policy? How do you know that you couldn't get a better deal from another vendor um, inside that contract? It could be the actual insurance itself. It could be the pharmacy benefit manager. It could be the cra uh, claims processing. Um, a whole bunch of stuff. It can be the administration company in general um, that could be overcharging and not doing efficient work. And so they hide it all. And what are you going to do next? And so read the contract if you spend the time. Uh, a lot of companies spend more time planning Christmas parties, holiday parties, employee functions than they ever do when it comes to employee benefit programs. So I'm encouraging you to be the outlier of your company, right? Do a better job on the benefits program to control your cost. Don't be blinded by traditions and um, have more control to have more predictable outcomes. Uh, be the outlier.